Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from December 13th, 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am your host, Jay. And today, a special treat for everyone, my alter ego, Jeff Clossy. Hello, everybody. Your alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of you as my alter ego. You you are you are what I should be. Oh my word. Like sometimes. Every time you every time you react to a situation, I think, oh, that's the way I should probably react to that situation. Or I think we're complimentary more than Compl- alter ego. Oh, I suppose. I, I mean, think it's a gift. Like we do have very different responses, but that's a good thing. See, even that right there, you're doing the thing right now. <laughs> you're my alter ego. I would have I, I would have, I would have played into that and maybe mocked you, and you turn it and into an encouraging statement, <laughs> thus proving my point. You are my alter ego. That's that's great. I feel like that was such a complimentary thing you just said there. It was. <laughs> it was. It's good to be with you, Jay. Yeah, you know, it is something though, Jeff, that I think is is kind of neat that uh, it was pointed out a couple of times this past weekend, and um, that we're just. It's a it's a gift that um, on our preaching team that we have kind of three guys that all have different um, different ways of communicating, but but are sharing kind of the same ideas. So like a similar, I guess I say a similar uh, a similar voice, but a very different delivery. Yeah, it's it's actually very unique. I'm not sure that I've you know, been part of a church family where, where we had, I've, I've been one where there's a couple, but not three. That's yeah. a pretty unique thing our church has right now. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that is a, that is a gift. And I, I, I think people appreciate your calmer demeanor. <laughs> so calm that you can fall asleep as I'm speaking. I, you know, <laughs> I, I have been told that I have a voice that puts people to sleep and I, I'm not sure what that means i don't know i have no hope then yeah i know right (laughs) well i don't know if my delivery does i don't know and i feel like robbie's kind of in between he sometimes he can get really animated and sometimes he has a very soothing delivery but you you're just you're just so pastoral in that role and so i think everybody really appreciates that and so um so this past weekend yeah you you preached as we were going through this advent series and you really um you really touched on some some key themes so i'm curious that First, one of the things we always like to ask is, is there anything that as you were preparing for this message that um, that ended up having to hit the cutting room floor or was, you know, cut for time or just because it didn't quite fit, you know, into the context of what you were really talking about, the main idea? Because a lot of people don't realize that when we're preparing these things, there's lots of ideas and things that come into our minds and even sometimes things that we really love um, but because of the direction the message ends up going, it it feels a little superfluous or disconnected or disjointed, and so it just has to go into the uh, recycle bin. So hopefully to be used again sometime. But is there anything like that for you this week? There, yes, and I love how you describe that. Sometimes it gets the recycle bin right where you get to use it another time. But as I was thinking about you know anticipating Christ. You know, Advent, looking backwards to his first coming, but then looking forward really to his return. And when he does set all things right, 
one of the recurring thoughts I had was, yes, I think to many of us, it's it's obvious when he does that, there's there's some f- more full restoration of God and human beings that's happening. It already has happened for us, right? We are saved, but then we are also being saved and will be saved. And um, that came to mind. But then the idea of re- a renewed creation where even animals within creation that are now enemies, you know, hostile towards one another, like one wants to eat the other one, will be at peace with each other. And I, those things are so normal for us that I don't think we sometimes realize someday that won't be the case when we're in a new earth, a renewed creation, um, that won't be the case. And I'll read that in a minute, but I want to just tell a story first to set up what I'm, what I mean. So about 10 years ago, I was in a boat fishing on a camping trip, um, with Jess's family. And we were fishing along the shoreline. The sun was going down and uh, it was really awesome. We were in the woods in Northern Wisconsin. So you can picture the scene and all of a sudden we could hear something in the woods. And at first to me, it sounded like kids running and playing just like this rustling. And we could hear it audibly, like whatever it was, was making noise and was making noise as it was moving as well. It's just moved through the, the brush. And so we were really fixed on it as we were fishing. And all of a sudden a fawn came shooting out of the woods, like 20 feet from our boat. And right behind it was a wolf. I mean, this oh, wow. was absolutely like heart racing oh my word, this fawn, what we were hearing was a bang of a fawn running from this wolf. And when it got to the edge of the water, the wolf jumped on it and was biting it on the, on the back of its neck. And, uh, Jess's dad, um, has a deep hatred for wolves that I didn't know until that moment. And he (laughs) yelled like no human has ever yelled at this wolf. And it startled the thing. Like it literally startled it where it stopped trying to kill this fawn and the fawn went swimming way out into the water and the full and the wolf went running away and it's hard to uh i'm painting the picture of it it would be nice to have a visual but in my like core of my being like in my heart when i was seeing this happen it felt so wrong that this wolf would be going after this helpless you know fawn and i know that's just the course of things though the wolf right now is just doing what wolves do that's how they survive but the picture we're given in Isaiah, we read Isaiah 9 on Sunday, and uh, this is Isaiah 11. I'll read it. It's just 11, Isaiah 11, verses 6 to 9. It says, when creation is renewed, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the wean child shall put his hand over the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This picture of like all of creation, there's no place where the knowledge of God and his glory is not experienced. And even in that place, what that means is like that hostile wolf won't even be going after that fawn anymore. And um, 
that's just an amazing picture. And I think it, for me, it fills me with hope as I anticipate Christ because actually it's more than I can really imagine. It's hard. I don't know about you, Jay. It's just hard to imagine that fully, um, that there are no, there's no harm anymore anywhere on the earth. And even these animals are somehow renewed that were hostile towards each other. It is, it is incredible and it is hard to imagine. Now, I can't help but hear that and think that might be incredibly disappointing to uh, some of the, those of us who live in the North Woods here where um, hunting is such a big deal. Are, are you saying, Jeff, that there's no hunting in heaven? Um, I didn't say that, no. I, I don't. I, I kind of doubt that there will be, um, but I don't really know. There's not a verse for that. But I do think we have these, you know, prey, cats of prey, right? Yeah. Eating straw. It's like yeah. goodness. What do you think? I well, I don't know. I <laughs> what I what I do think is that uh, the last several weeks we've uh, touched on some pretty controversial issues and have gotten feedback of all sorts, and I don't know if we could wander into a more controversial topic than to make the claim that there's no hunting in heaven. I'm not really sure what to do with that. I'm not touching that, Jeff. You just I can't believe you, you just made that claim. You wandered <laughs> you wandered into that. Everyone listening yeah. can hear what is happening yeah. right now, Jay. I mean here's what I know. Here's what I take from your story. What I take from your story is that had the fawn been um had a concealed carry permit, uh it would have been fine. <laughs> Yes, it would have been. That's what I. But instead, it had my father-in-law's voice, right? Which I would love to hear that, and and I want to know the stories behind why he hates wolves. But I don't feel like that's for you to share. But man, I'd like to know that. I think it's well. That's a good example of why, right there. But yeah, he could maybe come on sometime and talk about that. Just talk about his hatred. <laughs> but yeah, that is. It's such an incredible thing, right? That that all things are going to be reconciled, and we don't even have we we barely have a glimpse of what it'll be like to live in that kind of harmony. So when we talk about peace on earth and goodwill towards men and, and the coming of the kingdom in that, that to what would it be like to live, you know, cause you have other imagery there, like a child, you know, in with the snake and not, um, not being in danger that they're being, I mean, imagine, you know, going out and exploring and knowing there's no danger. There's nothing that means you harm. There's nothing uh, that you mean harm to, uh, it it makes me wonder what's going to happen to black flies and mosquitoes. Yes, and that kind of thing. I've I, wondered that too. Yeah, I don't know if they're just going to be there, but they just don't. You know, they don't um, bite. I, that's it's just such an interesting idea that all of God's creation will be uh, awakened to this glory, and uh, yeah, like does it mean that I'll be fine with mice coming in and? <laughs> <laughs> making nests in my car your car is just going to keep working I, oh. do you know what it also for me it highlights it's just, this just popped in my head but one of the points i was trying to make is that this renewal this ushering in yeah is something that christ brings god does it and humans we aren't the ones that make it happen and i right. think that sort of picture even animals being transformed is so big and really awe-inspiring that we know we cannot do that that is not something that we can accomplish in our own like training of animals to not do that or right. teaching a leopard to eat straw that's something god's going to do and for me it helps me when i do see the brokenness and the darkness that we often face especially right now it is going to be god who rescues us ultimately 
So how do we how do we keep from just then saying, well, God will work it out in the end? Because, you know, we often talk about participating in the in the kingdom and wanting to be we're ambassadors for Christ, so we are ambassadors of this kingdom and and so that's why we care about things like mm-hmm. creation and justice and all these things. But you just give some examples there of things that we that we can't do, like that we can't participate. I mean, though your father-in-law clearly tried, he's yeah. trying, he was trying to do that. But I, I would not say that that is um, something like, I don't think that you could use that then to say that, that hunting is evil or that eating meat is evil or anything like that. Like we've been, we were given that, um, but it could be something that is taken away. So how do we, how do we differentiate between, the things of the kingdom that we are supposed to be participating in right now and the things of the kingdom that are only for that time, like when, when Christ returns? That's a good question and a really good point because you could take that future hope of all things being set right by God and become very passive and you just let the things around you happen when the evil when it doesn't necessarily need to. So I think I like the word that you said like participate in So part of me thinks the easiest way to make that discernment is to follow what you read, Jesus teaching you and his apostles, and know that those are the ways in which you get to participate in. But it's interesting. They never do tell us to, to, you know, teach leopards how to eat straw. That's not an endeavor that's commanded. So I think that's one way you can distinguish. But I think, you know, our, our actions. So when we live and the fruit of the spirit is, is coming out in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things, those really are like hints of what is to come, right? They're the kingdom breaking in right now. And because the truth is the kingdom has already broken in, right? Like when Jesus came, the kingdom came with him. It's just that it's not to its fullest extent yet, you know, to the full fruition of it. Yeah. What would you add? I mean, that's a that's a great question. Yeah, the balance it's, there. I I think I mean I, I would look at it and say, um, I agree that we we aren't to be passive. I think what, uh, uh, part of it when I think about animals and in that particular thing and all of creation is, um, is just to to be mindful of its its godness. You know, that mm-hmm. in the sense of like not saying that creation is God. It's it's created by God, but it's God, um, God creates these things. And so we are to respect them. And, and so that's why, you know, it's important that we treat animals, um, without cruelty. And, and so some people could say, well then, you know, so that's why we shouldn't hunt. But, um, but we definitely see throughout scripture that that is not a command that is given to us that, you know, eating meat and, uh, and no, there isn't a difference ethically between whether you hunt or mm-hmm. buy it at the grocery store. Like you, we are, um, we're participating in that. And so I think, um, I think figuring out how do you, how do you just kind of function with this sense of respect and awe of God's creation and, uh, not be flippant towards it and not, uh, not be dismissive of it, uh, as something less than, you know, mm-hmm. or something that's not that important because in heaven we will have that. And I think some of those, I- the images that we've had in the past about heaven, you know, sitting on clouds, you know, harps or whatever, it's always interesting how that is very void of all of the material creation that uh, we have here. Mm. And uh, scripture is really clear that, that all of that creation is going to be there, right? Like we're not, 
it's not going to uh, look like something completely. I, I don't get the feeling like it's going to look completely different. It will be. It'll be different, but it will be of similar substance, if that makes sense. You right. Know? What it was always meant to be. Right. Which, again, it's hard to imagine it. Um, yes. But we we have to believe that the way God originally made all of this, that we, we still have... Even in human beings, we've talked about this. Even though we're broken, we still bear the image of God, right? And right. so there must, I would imagine there's something about even creation that there would be something like that uh, for, for all of it. So it won't be like, yeah, I yeah. guess that's probably all our words can accomplish. I know. It's, that's, it's hard. <laughs> like we're sitting here off the top of our head trying to talk about this. This uh, I, I didn't give you warning that I was going to ask you about hunting in heaven. So um, I do, I do want to yeah. say, though, too, like, so uh, my father-in-law is a hunter. I know many who are. I'm a big fisherman. And I feel like the people that are most committed to those activities are often the people who most respect creation. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like, they they aren't flippant about it. No. They don't waste animals. They right. are very careful. And I, I don't know. I think it's worth worth noting. There's abuses in everything. But, yes, most most of the hunters I know have a deep appreciation and love for nature and and for God's creation in that way, that's that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about participating, and you you actually you kind of did a bigger intro. Like this this Advent series that we're doing is based on um, some Advent prayers from the the Book of Common Prayer, and you uh, so you kind of did a little intro about why these written prayers are valuable because many of us did not grow up. Um, I grew up with a little bit of that, but many people in our church did not grow up with. Um, reading uh, pre-written prayers. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was great. You had a great illustration of saying that um, we don't think anything of it when we sing pre-written songs. That that is, that is by, we sing hymns, we sing all kinds of songs, and those are, in essence, pre-written prayers that are just set to music. And so I think that was a really helpful point that that a pre-written prayer is no different than that if if you're willing to sing a pre-written song and find that meaningful which we do i mean how many how many hymns and and worship songs are have been used mightily by god to to stir our hearts and to bring us comfort and um you're making the point uh that that pre-written prayers uh can do the same thing um as as that and so i think that was incredibly helpful um, and so I, I'm wondering, first of all, if you have anything to add or respond to in that, but then also kind of dovetailing in, um, what would you, where would you recommend somebody start if they say, well, you know, cause if they, if they want to do that with music, if they come and and we've had that, we're new believers and people who have not been exposed to the church or to the gospel at all. And they sing these songs and, um, they find them amazing. And so it can, point them to different resources and and where to start and in, in being able to hear more of this music or sing these songs um, but what would you say for pre-written prayers if someone wanted to add that to their devotional life yeah that's a that's a really good question I I would just say as far as just word of encouragement um, with it if it's something that would be brand new to people that um, like I said on Sunday, it will take time for you to feel like you're able to pray the words of another person from your own heart. And I think I am so thankful that I grew up in a church and in a, in a with a background where the heart felt prayer 
and the sincere prayer was what I was taught. And so I'm just thankful for that. What this has done for me though, is it's praying some pre-written prayers has really expanded the way I pray. And what I've noticed is if I pray similar ones frequently, they become my own. Like I might start with praying like the one on Sunday, the main line from it that has been striking me is just lighten the darkness of our hearts. And as I've been praying that this week, I start to express it to God in other ways with other words. And I often expand upon it as well. So that, that will start to happen. But as far as resources, um, that's a great question. There's one that I picked up this year that I love. Um, it's called Piercing Heaven. And it's a compilation of, of prayers from Puritans. And it's organized um, topically so that you could look at it. And if you're needing to pray for peace, like your heart is just upset. Um, there's examples of how followers of Jesus have prayed for peace. Or if you're wanting to um, pray a prayer of thankfulness for something, they have categories for that. So piercing heaven would be one. Another one that is similar is called the Valley of Vision. And that one has been around for longer. Um, also really, really helpful. It's it's not categorized quite as, um, it's, it's more difficult for me to find prayers in there for a specific circumstance, but they're all really, really good ones too. Um, in addition to those two, the Book of Common Prayer is a resource that I use regularly. Um, that's where the prayer that we prayed on Sunday came from. But what I will say, that one is not as easy to use. So the first two, Piercing Heaven and the Valley of Vision, are a book just that's full of prayers. The Book of Common Prayer is like the worship book that Anglicans would use. So like C.S. Lewis would have grown up, this is what he heard for worship on a Sunday. So when I first bought one of those, I really needed some help from other people to learn how to use it. And if you ever want to explore that, I'm really happy. It would delight me to show people what that looks like to use devotionally. There are things in the Book of Common Prayer that the way we believe is a little different. So I would just add some caution to it that you might see things in there that you're not used to. And um, that, that just because it comes out of a very different stream in some ways than ours. But the prayers are amazing in there. And what um, what was happening with, with the Book of Common Prayer is that it was like the first English liturgy, the first English prayers people were grew up not praying in their own tongue, right? They were in Latin. And Thomas Cranmer took prayers that he could find, ancient prayers, and compiled them into one volume. So that Light in Our Darkness prayer, I have another, I'm kind of a prayer book nerd now because of discovering this and how helpful it's been. I have a um, compilation of ancient Celtic prayers from the Celtic church. And I found a very similar phrase that light in the darkness of our hearts that goes back to like the seventh century. So he's, he's unearthing or digging up things that the church has been praying for years in that mm -hmm. one. What about you, Jay? Has there been some that, that you found in addition to those couple Puritan ones or? You know, for me, I would say Valley of Vision for sure. But then I would also, man, I found um, old hymnals hmm. to just be such a rich resource for for pre-written prayers. Again, like we talked, like you mentioned, songs. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so funny that 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 when you said that, it kind of clicked with me, and I thought, oh, why would I? Why would I not have thought of that before? Because that's actually how I learned to enjoy singing in church because growing up, I did not like singing in church. I didn't like, 
Um, I didn't like the music. I didn't. I would. I used to count how many hymns in the bulletin I would have to sit through um, <laughs> before. Like we could. I, I liked listening to the sermon and uh, the other stuff, and then I wanted to get out of there. And um, I felt when I got into college, actually, I I felt really convicted by this attitude and this heart, and so I um, I started just praying the words of the hymns. Um, even during the music. So if the music was like music that I didn't connect with at all, or if I felt uncomfortable for whatever reason, um, singing or whatever, I would just, I would just pray the words. And so that led me to then praying through other hymnals, you know, just reading these, uh, rich hymns and, and praying that. So that's a place, uh, people could certainly start just recognizing that that's, um, that's what those are. And so it's these corporate, um, prayers they can be prayers of praise or of repentance um or of all kinds of things and so um yeah that's what i that's that's where i would maybe recommend people kind of um they could start by doing that also just i mean hymnals but just remembering hymns and and worship songs that have been meaningful to you um just be mindful of those as a prayer as you're as you're singing them or just as you're thinking of the lyrics that is such a great suggestion I love that because it's true. Like they're poetic. These songs are poetic prayers that we sing. And I mean, we talked about the Psalms a lot this summer, right? But those are songs. They can be prayed and they can be sung. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, the beauty too. I One other, I didn't talk about this, but one other real neat benefit of some written prayers, at least in our family has been that our kids have learned some of these with us and we can together pray them. And so there's right. one, there's one that we pray very frequently, almost every day together as we leave for the day, as you know, the kids are going to school, I'm heading off to work. We pray it together and it's really meaningful and it allows us to all pray together. So that's another really beautiful part about some of these, just like with singing, right? Right. That we can all join in. Yeah. That makes total sense that, that that's part of the value of why we sing pre-written songs is so that we can all do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also thinking, and you, you touched on this again in your, in your sermon that, that one of the values, uh, one of the benefits of praying a pre-written prayer is that it, it, we pray for things then that we wouldn't normally pray. Mm-hmm. And it actually teaches us then how to pray. It's a, it's a great way to learn how to pray and to deepen our prayer lives. If, um, you know, when you're when you're learning to speak as a child, if you only listened, if a child only learned to speak by listening to their own voice, and to the own the words that they were able to come up with, they they would never grow. Like their vocabulary, they learn by repeating what other people say and how they say it. And and so we mentioned that when we went through the Psalms a couple of summers ago, and talking about why it's so important to read the Psalms and that. And, and praying the Psalms is so powerful because you're praying in God's language, like the, the language that God has given us in those, uh, in the Psalms. And it, it, it makes us pray in ways that we wouldn't. We, we pray, um, we, we describe God in ways that we wouldn't know how to do that in, unless we, um, unless we're shown how to. And so in many ways, praying pre-written prayers um, whether it's from the Valley of Vision or through hymnals or you know whatever Book of Common Prayer, praying those pre-written prayers helps us learn how to pray. 
it, it just teaches us how to pray. It does. And there's something that God uses those to actually form us, right? right. To one example, just in case, just to give some tangible um, legs to this. Like when I first started doing this, I came across a prayer for in the evening time. And one of the lines in it was basically, God, we pray for your blessing, your help for those who work tonight, who work overnight. And I was like, wow, right? Yeah. there are a whole bunch of people as I'm going to bed, getting up and starting yes. work and they need prayer overnight. And that's just a you know small example, but it really has affected my heart as I'm going off to bed, realizing as I do that, other people are getting up and working all night. In ways we all need, and you wouldn't think of that I normally. Yeah, like I, I, I no. wouldn't, I wouldn't think of that. It's yeah, that's such a that's such a great example. So, so I would just, I mean, I hope people are encouraged um, to uh, to to actually do this. That it's not it's not something that I would say is just like a hey, if you you know if it strikes your fancy, I I think there's incredible benefits to to doing this and. And no, we wouldn't say at the expense of spontaneous prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think spontaneous prayer is a is a beautiful thing, and we see obviously we see that all throughout Scripture. We see spontaneous prayers, and and God wants those prayers. Um, but to understand the purpose of um, of written prayers, they they teach us to pray. They have us praying things that we wouldn't normally uh, think about. They give us something to pray together corporately mm-hmm. as a as a church family and as a people, um, and and man, how powerful to have all of our voices raising up to God, saying, um, praying earnestly for the same thing at the same time. Uh, you know, all of that is a great. Um, it's a great encouragement. It's beautiful. It is. See, this is why you're such a benefit on the. Po- this is why you're my alter ego. You pull me into, <laughs> and now. You you uh you help me become a better me, Jeff. Oh, Jay, <laughs> I can hear your smile as you're saying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to this before we uh, sign off? No, I'm I'm just uh, I wanted to say too. Thank you for the the encouraging words about preaching and about being here. I am so thankful to be part of this church, to be part of this family. And um, to me, it's just a joy to get to to share what God is teaching me and what I'm seeing in the Word. And I'm really looking forward to this fourth Sunday in Advent. I mean, this series has really impacted my soul. And I feel like Advent has become, this year especially for me, one of my favorite anchors. I can see that next year I will be anticipating again, at least for myself devotionally. Mm-hmm. This is important for me, uh, anticipating the... Uh, arrival of Christ again. Yeah, so this this week, yeah, will be the last Sunday of Advent, and so, which I can't believe, as 2020 uh, continues to draw to a close, and then, of course, we'll have our Christmas Eve service, but this Sunday will be on um, the the power of God through through the Incarnation, and um, which is just, it's been really exciting to think to think about that, and so Uh, Hopefully you will be able to join us for that if you're part of our church family. As always, we thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. We hope it's been helpful and encouraging to you. Uh, God bless. We hope you have a wonderful day.